Good morning, and uh, I want to welcome you guys all to the Comics Experience Graphic Novel of the Month Club for this is the month of September, right? Uh, we have a new sponsor. Um, we are now being sponsored by The Beat, which is a comics news website. So yay to them. Um, that's helping paper equipment and stuff. So yay. There'll be links and stuff on the final broadcast. So um, uh, yeah, so we're here uh, for this fantastic book, Sheets, um, by Brenna Thutler, who we are so glad to have here in person with us. Um, uh, you guys like Sheets, yeah? Yes. Powder. Yes. Oh, that's not that weird. That's how I like to hear it. Yeah, no, I thought this was um, one of the best uh, books that we've uh, done in the club so far. Um, it's, it's, it's smart, it's funny, it's scary in the right way. It deals with real subjects, and it's just, it's a very, it's a very human book, and I, I really, which is amazing for a book about ghosts. Um, and I, I really, I want to thank you for this book, because I, 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 I really like this book a lot, women. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for so joining us. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So let's, um, let's, I always start with this, the easiest question in the world, or the hardest, depending on your point of view. Why comics? What is it about comics? that for you is the art form that you wanted to, to work in and express yourself in? So this is a, kind of a strange story. I, I actively avoided comics most of my life. I didn't think it would be something that I would enjoy. And so throughout college, you know, they always ask you, what do you want to do with your life? And I don't know, but definitely not comics. <laughs> and so I ended up working at this publishing company and um, Throughout the years, people have told me, you know, you really have this knack for storytelling and a lot of your illustration. Why don't you get into graphic novels and comics? I'm like, no, that's not for me. You're crazy. Uh, and so when I started working at this publishing company, they had me do some samples uh, for a pitch for a book that they didn't end up doing. Uh, but then they saw my samples and they're like, no, you have to do a graphic novel of some kind. So that's actually how I ended up doing my first graphic novel, which was Anne Green Gables. And... I finally found, as cliche as it sounds, where I belonged. I mean, I, I never saw myself ever getting into comics until I was asked to do this incredible opportunity that I couldn't turn down. And actually, I think about a month before that, I had stumbled across Jillian Tamaki and Reba Tamaki's This One Summer in the thrift store. And I saw the cover and I pulled it off the shelf and went, this looks so good and opened it up and like, oh, it's a graphic novel, which I've never read before. And I thought, you know, maybe I should give this a try because I've, been, I've distanced myself from it for so long. And I, when I read it, I just fell in love with it. And I think that definitely was sort of fate. Like it, it made me realize that graphic novels were a place where I could see myself. Mm -hmm. And then I did Anna Green Gables and I was like, I never want to do anything else again in my life. Nice, nice. I, I, so I'm, I'm curious about the, uh, that you actively didn't see yourself doing comics. Uh, well, why is that? Did you, did you think it was nothing with superheroes maybe, or? I think that, I mean, I, I hadn't realized how, how diverse mm. comics had gone. Mm -hmm. Like I, I did picture sort of the superheroes like rescuing the damsels in distress. Right, right, and, um, yeah, I, I didn't realize that it's, it spoke to all ages, like children's books. And when I realized that and, um, all the different directions it could go. I, I think it, it made me see, oh, this is a place where I could possibly fit in. Right, right. And I think the, the work itself, there, I mean, there's so much work. There's so many illustrations in there, right? So it just seemed very overwhelming to me. Sure. 
but then I realized that most things I, I, I do actively seek overwhelming things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of where I belonged all, all along. Nice. nice. Do you study alteration as a, uh, as a student? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's what I have my, my degree in is alteration. Mm -hmm. And what did you, like when you started studying, what, did, what would in your, in your mind, what did you think you were going to be doing? With that. I guess I pictured editorial work, which is illustrating work for magazines and newspapers and stuff like that. So just single illustrations for maybe some newspaper articles, things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they came to you and they said, we want you to adapt Anna Green Gables. Yes. Were you a fan of the book? Yes. Yeah, okay. And I think that was definitely one of the deciding factors for me to do it is I, I loved Anna Green Gables. I grew up with the story throughout childhood. Mm -hmm. so yeah, no. No. I'm pretty good. Yep. Kim. <laughs> Canada, yeah. Um, uh, um, uh, you threw me off by questioning, though, there. Um, uh, you, you adapted yourself, yeah? Or did you I, have someone? Who, I just did the illustrations. Just the illustrations, okay. So, actually, another girl who worked at the publishing company that I was at, she did the, uh, adapted it, the manuscript, the writing for it. Mm -hmm. And how did, how did she give it the, was it like a... a a page by page breakdown, full script, or? Well, this is the really cool part. So um, she was a friend of mine. We were working in the same, uh, the same company. And it was really great because a lot of times when you're working on a graphic novel, especially um, like you're only the illustrator and then someone else is writing it, you don't have a lot of uh, communication with that person. So this was really great because we were working together and we could kind of sit down and talk about the book. And so I sort of, uh, developed from my perspective a list of events that happened in the book mm -hmm. and because it's, it's really hard for writers to understand illustrators and illustrators to understand writers so I kind of gave her a list of what was going on in my head and uh, she wrote me a script and as she did that I storyboarded mm -hmm. so it was, it was very collaborative okay very good very good so you so you were showing her your breakdowns and then she was adjusting what she was writing oh yeah, yeah. it was kind of a back and forth nice honestly. nice uh, that's very nice um, uh, so how did, how did Sheets come along? That was actually a story that started when I was back in college. Um, you know, so like when you, there, you always go through hardship in life. There's always going to be struggles and stuff, especially, uh, when you go away and you're not in the same mind space or same place you've always been. You have to face challenges sometimes and so... You know, I, I was struggling with some things. I was really lonely, and I, I kind of wanted to turn the emotions into a book that spoke to everybody with, with more of a, a whimsy to it. So it's like, I really also love ghost stories. So I kind of took a lot of the emotions I was feeling, and uh, I, I was probably doing laundry one day or something, it was, and I looked at the sheet, it was like, what if sheet ghost had to be washed? And so this whole kind of story developed about um, the, the generic trick-or-treat costume of a sheet ghost. What would happen if those were actually ghosts? Right. And I did this illustration, uh, a still illustration for one of my classes, where it's all these sheet ghosts, and I call it Ghost Resort. And so some of them are hanging from lines, and they're in the washer or the, or the uh, steamer. It's kind of like um, their own spa. And so I was like thinking about how a laundromat and laundry could be really fun for a ghost. And so I think the whole idea sort of started with that. Okay. And um, when did you when did you pitch this like relative to Danielle? Sure. So 
Um, when I first started thinking of my idea, it actually started as a, a chapter book because it was for a class assignment. And so I just had the first couple chapters written and it was a very different story back then. Uh, but after I worked on Anne Green Gables and realized that I never wanted to do anything else again, um, the, the editor I was actually working with on Anne Green Gables, she moved to a different company and we kept in contact. And I was thinking, you know, this would be real, this might actually work as a graphic novel and it would be really cool to be able to do my own original stories. So I actually worked up a query letter, which means um, you kind of write a pitch for your book, like you kind of talk about what it's about and uh, what you're hoping people will get out of it. And you send that to an agent and that agent then takes it to different publishing companies and tries to get it published. So what I did was I contacted that editor that I worked with on Amber and Gables and said, hey, can you look at this letter that I wrote uh, to see if it sounds good enough to send to an agent? And she said, actually, can I just see the manuscript instead? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, <laughs> you can. And uh, so she actually took that to an acquisitions meeting, which means they look at a lot of books and they decide, okay, which books do we want to publish? What do we think will sell our company? And they ended up acquiring the book, so uh, accepting the book for publication, and nice. that's how it got started. Nice. How how much was done at that point? I, I had the, whole, the the first rough draft, okay. the, whole, the whole manuscript done, but a very rough version. Okay. So a lot of changes happened after. Okay. That. And was this uh, was the manuscript prose only? Uh, some comics, or or full breakdowns? Oh, or? no, full, full breakdown. Yeah. So it was um, a manuscript. It kind of looks like what you might expect a a play or a movie script to look like. So there are the names with um, their dialogue, and then there are sort of stage directions. So it kind of says what the character's doing or what the scene looks like. So it's very much like a movie script. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so, you know, because we've, we've done a lot of these meetings, everybody, it's fascinating, has a completely different process. And, and so when one person says manuscript, sometimes it means like a broken down book. Uh, you know, like all laid out and everything. Oh, it's uh, not the art as well. Yeah, oh, right. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I do have to be the art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, and um, and I guess you'd already worked with this editor, so they didn't really need to see any more from you to know. Right, that you, I can produce the work. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times yeah. when you first pitch a book, they do like to see illustration samples to kind of get an idea of what the the art will look like as well. Uh, but the editor, thankfully, had already seen my artwork, so she had a good idea mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. what it would end up looking mm -hmm. like. How long was the manuscript? About 30 pages, and then even a little bit more mm -hmm. in, a, in a Word document. Mm -hmm. So it was, a, it was a really kind of rough sketch of, of what the book would eventually become. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it was pretty much all of the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how long did it take you to, to, to complete the project? Well, um... Not including, because the, the writing itself was a very uh, gradual process because I started this story back in college and then I sort of worked on it over time. So it's hard to judge how long the writing actually took me, but the artwork, it was, it was less than a year. It was maybe between eight and 10 months. Okay. Uh, but that was working nonstop. Okay. On it. Okay. And so let's see, that's probably what, a page every other day? Something like that? I, what I do is I, uh, I do all the line art first, mm -hmm. and then I go back and I color it all after okay. it when it's finished. Okay. So I, I usually can get about um, maybe 10 or 12 line arts done a week. Mm -hmm. And then once all that was done, I went back and did color, and that goes faster okay. than line art. Okay. Okay. Um, 
uh, what was I just about to ask? You're, you so uh, you, we were talking earlier. Uh, you say you, you work on pen and paper um, mm -hmm. at at full size. Yes. So uh, uh, well, the the, the door. It's I'm going to say it's um twelve by sixteen, maybe slightly larger. Than okay, that. yeah, it's in. About that big. Yeah, it's so pretty big. Two up or something, more or less. Maybe maybe two and a half times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you? Why 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 do you think that that works to be able to draw big and then shrink it down? Because I love detail. Mm -hmm. I love this the little things. And now, so you'll notice a lot of what one call Easter eggs. So these little hidden things throughout the book. Um, for example, a lot of the the shop names are named after my friends. So in the very beginning, you'll see like Claire's Fudge Factory and Claire's one of my best friends or uh, my other best friend, Beth. Uh, she's, she has her own psychic shop in one of the stories or one of the pages. And I love hiding things like that because it kind of makes this extra special experience where people who are closer to me mm -hmm. just wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, it's my name or oh, I recognize that place. Um, see like friends and professors are, are a lot of them are in there. Um, the names of shops and uh, restaurants that I grew up with as a kid, some of the things were in there. So I love hiding those little details that even if other people don't recognize them, it just makes it seem a little more, a little more special to me. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the times those are very, very small. So if it went draw on scale, it would be a lot more difficult to sure. actually draw. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really struck me about the book was how, how kind of grounded in like this town feels real to me um is this is this like a place where you grew up or how how would you do this picture uh, okay so i i did grow up in northwestern pennsylvania where this is where this book takes place but finster bay is a fictional location and i really wanted it to have sort of a a really run down feel because it's kind of funny um you know wendell he comes from this the land of ghosts, which is really sad and miserable place. But at the same time, Marjorie's kind of feeling that too. Like she, even though Wendell is seeking out this better place to be, uh, the town of Finster Bay is not this uh, glamorous location either. So I, I kind of wanted to show that um, it is not about the location. It's more about what you make of it. And I did want to make a, a very rundown, but almost... Um, like a, a beachy sort of touristy town. And so I found this place called Geneva on the Lake, which is actually in Ohio. And I've been going back there a few times and I've, a lot of the buildings are from there. I've been inspired by buildings that are in, on Geneva on the Lake. And it, when I was there most of the time, it was completely empty. It, it's mostly a place where people go during the summer. So a lot of um, like old hot dog stands and beach cottages and stuff like that. So it, it, when I was there, it was very empty. And I think that kind of inspired me. It felt like a ghost town. Right, right, right. So um, yeah, a lot of the buildings in there and shots are from Geneva on the Lake, mm -hmm. which is about maybe an hour and a half from where I grew up. Okay. So it is very close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as I said, the, the town felt really real to me. Did you, um, did you like make a map? Of where everything was, like to keep it straight in your head. Or... I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay, well, I, that's even more impressive, actually. I um, I made a, a layout of the laundromat. Okay. So like the rooms and everything, but the town itself, no. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so you go through and you, you pencil the book, uh, and then you scan it in the computer, I take it at that yes. point? Um, and are you doing the coloring all on the computer? I do. Okay. All in a, a program called Adobe Photoshop is what I get the color mm -hmm, in. Mm -hmm. um, your, your palette is, is really interesting. It's really muted and it's really, but it's also really bright. Uh, can you talk about that at all? Yeah. Um, so this book takes place in the 90s and that's when I grew up. I was, I was born in the 90s and I, I wanted to have sort of that nostalgic feel of those, those really bright colors with the 80s and 90s, but also um, it's like laundry, think sort of pale colors and pinks and purples and um, just a very like, sweet kind of colors. And so definitely the, the pastel palette was drawn sort of from the mood I was trying to capture, but also the, the time period itself. Mm -hmm. And I've always been sort of a sucker for pink and purple pictures. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, I, uh, I opened the store in 1989, which we were saying earlier, and our, our original store t-shirts were uh, like electric blue with hot pink lettering on them. Yeah. It was very 90s. It was very, very 90s. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought I thought that the that it was it's it's really a spectacular looking book from from the palette point of view and um, from the sense of the world. How how much of the the development of the book and the development of the story and and the color even the choices how much of that was done with your editor and how much of that was just you doing it? That's I my editor is so wonderful. She gives me so much free reign. Like uh, um. Of course, most of the most of her changes just came with um, plot or or grammar, a lot of the actual writing. But she pretty much leaves the art completely mm -hmm. open to me. So I would say probably ninety eight percent or more of the art was just it. Not yeah, what I very much. the way I saw the book. Who who did edit it? It doesn't look like it's she's credited anywhere. Here. Uh, Andrea Colvin. Okay, he's at Lionford. She's yeah. the vice president. Okay. Yeah. She's not credited in the book. Bad line for not credited on people. I might have thanked her in there. Oh, okay. I hopefully hopefully it's in there. <laughs> Very good. Um, uh, you got a Lemony Snicket quote on the back. That's that's pretty fantastic. How did that come about? So it is very difficult to get in touch with big name people, mm -hmm. but Lemony Snicket has always been such a huge inspiration to me and actually um when I was living in Kansas City I lived in Kansas City Missouri for a couple of years and Brian Selznick who you might recognize he wrote uh, um, The Adventure of Hugo Cabre and Wonderstruck and the Marvels you guys know Brian Selznick yeah he's awesome he's a really great guy too and um he and Lemony Snicket actually came to speak at our our library and at the end, it was so cool because we all got to line up and actually go up and have them sign books and talk to them for maybe 30 seconds. And um, I, I asked them to sign my sketchbook. And uh, Brian Selznick kind of looked at so my work and he's like, you know, you should, you should do graphic novels. And they're one of those people who were like, you, you should really do this. And I was still like, no, Brian, you're crazy. I shouldn't be doing this. And, um, and then later on, as I started realizing that graphic novels were what I was supposed to be doing, I kind of thought back to what Brian had sent to me and I was like, wow, like he, it's, it was so thoughtful of him to sort of push me on that path as well. And um, 
the both of them were just very encouraging at that talk in the, the very brief moment we had to actually speak. Um, and so I had, I had gotten a, a Brian Selznick blur on of Green Gables and um, so for the, the artwork of it. And then I was thinking back to that talk that, it, that I went to with Flemings and uh, Brian Selznick. And I, I'm, it was in my heart, like I really wanted both of them say something about this book, about the writing and the artwork combined. And um, so thankfully I already had Brian Selznick co Brian Selznick's contact information, and uh, I tracked down Lemony Snicket's, someone in his publishing department, I'm not sure who it was, I, it took a while to find somebody to contact, and uh, I wrote to them and asked if they could put me in contact with Lemony somehow, and uh, they ended up forwarding that email to his assistant, who then forwarded on to him, and he actually got back to me directly, which was just nice. mind boggling and, yeah. and just it brought me to tears and um, so he actually sent me the blurb oh, from him and yeah it was it was a it was a heartwarming moment for yeah. sure one of the nice yeah, he lives in here, here in San Francisco actually he does yeah he does yeah he's he's actually he's he's a member of, of the kids club as well well his son is a member of the kids club but but uh, yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. that's fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> thing to know, you know. Um, yeah, no, he lives. He lives like six or eight blocks from here, or something like that. Yeah, come money. This city just got so much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> and Rayo lives here too. So, yeah, we've got we've got like some of the, the biggest kids authors are, are right here in the Bay Area. It's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let me let me let me bounce out to you guys maybe because I'm sure you all have a couple of questions for Brenna here. Yeah. I know, I know you do. You always do. Please. So I have a question. So uh, later in the book, uh, the uh, Wendell goes into uh, the guy, whatever his name, his house. The um, Mr. Mustache. Yeah. Mr. Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He had um, some ghost repellent. I was just wondering how he got that. How does he have the ghost repellent? So that is so. Um, he, you know, Mr. Sabotok's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. He's a little odd. So that's not, he can't actually repel ghosts with that. He just has it in his mind that this water is going to keep away the ghosts. Because later on, you really, you um, see that he, uh, he understands, he knows that sheets can sometimes be ghosts. So he might understand uh, that they, they have fears just like, everybody else, and you know, maybe he does know that there are things that he can do to kind of keep him away. So, um, but in his mind, he just thinks that maybe he can repel this ghost of water, but really he's just a weirdo and doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> so it doesn't actually work. It's just, it just ends up that uh, Wendell is afraid of water, which Salvin doesn't know. So that's why it works. Okay. And then also is the ghosterizer thing, are those um, like, Liquid? They are, yeah. They're kind of like, they're kind of like ghost shampoo. Oh. Yeah, it's like, it's how ghosts stay clean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the back, in the blue shirt. Um, what is your favorite illustration you did? Well, I was learning Tyler. Oh, man. Ooh, that's a tough one. I, you know what, what I really like doing, because there are so few of them, are, are the two-page spreads. So the big illustrations of both pages. 
Um, I really had a lot of fun with designing the actual, the ghost village. So all the little trailer parks here and kind of like picturing what their town might look like. Um, but I think maybe my favorite, let me see if it's in here, is this one of Marjorie walking back through her town. That's probably one of my favorites to do. No, that's, that's a, it's a lot of emotion in that piece too. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of the characters in the book are, are sad or, or lonely. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know that they realize that they are, you know? Um, and I think sometimes you don't really realize yeah. that, like how lonely they are. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we were talking about how, uh, what's his, I, I totally spaced his name, the, Mr. Mustache. It's that we're talking. Yeah. But as soon as he said Mr. Mustache, man, that, like, that's like stuck in my head now. Um, uh, you know he's he's lonely, but he's but it's because he's he's lonely and sad to me. You yeah. know. I mean, even like you kind of there are moments where you sort of feel bad for him. Yes. I, he he's a terrible person, but I think underneath everybody is sadness. And... Well, I thought you were about to say everybody's a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a reason for yeah. for people who who are that crazy and uh, that mean yeah. thing. Because, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I felt very sympathetic to him. Um, um, we have a follow-up. I'm sorry, I didn't... Also, out of all of the ink strategy you put in the book, which is your favorite? Oh, mm. that's a tricky one, too. I think it, it, one thing you might not realize is um, a, lot of, a lot of Marjorie is very me. So a lot, like, I, I also grew up playing piano. And... Um, the the pumpkin farm that she goes to when she likes uh, um, Spinney's. I actually grew up myself going to a pumpkin car a pumpkin farm called Finney's Pumpkin Farm, and so I think those are actually some of my favorite illustrations as well. Are the illustrations from the pumpkin farm, and so things like that. Um, I, I kind of drew a lot from my own life, so things like that are probably my favorite Easter egg that I put in there. Nice, yeah. nice. Second row, yeah. Um, is there going to be a prequel or a sequel to this? Um, I'm not sure how much I can say, but but I would not say goodbye to Marjorie and my will just get. There's a good chance you will be seeing them again. Okay. Right. And um, the part where in the pumpkin pet or whatever it is, uh, and she gets lost and then the kid gives her the cookie. Uh -huh. um, and then at the end, Wendell gives um, her the cookie, is Wendell the person who gives it? He is, he is. Yeah, that's Wendell at the end there. Mm. Very good. It's a, yeah, it's a good, it's a cool thing you picked up on. I, I kind of, I wanted that to be sort of left in the air, like is this him or is it not? I wanted it to have an air of mystery, but the, yeah, that was a good catch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. as no, Wendell. These, these guys are good readers. They, yeah. they always impress me with their questions. In the back. Um, I just want to know what happens to the uh, Mr. And the, the guy's fish. Because he had a fish on one of the panels. And it, oh, what happened to the fish? You know what? Maybe it's still there in the house. Because <laughs> he, he does sort of run away. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what happens to, to fish once your house gets taken from you. <laughs> well, if someone doesn't feed it, then I mean, it's not like they can get up and walk away. Right, right. You can't run away like a dog. The fish is kind of... I don't know. I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure when the government was cleaning, I don't know, is there a humane society for fish? Yeah, I don't 
I don't know what half the sick fish when your house gets taken from you. That's a very good question. We should look into that and be more protective of our of our fish. Are there ghost fish? Yeah. Hold on. Like with little sheets on them? So actually, my my when, one little thing you might notice in the land of ghosts when they're all in their their uh, dead youth empathetic meeting, there are some illustrations on the board in the background, and there's an illustration of a pillowcase, and it says my cat. And so the, the way I imagine things oh, yeah. is when, uh, when pets go to the land of ghosts, they turn into pillowcases. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because they're still a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're a smaller version of, of sheets. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yes, sir. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. Absolutely. How about, do you, do you believe in ghosts? I don't know. You don't know? Yeah, I mean, you can't ever really tell, but I, I definitely do. I actually would love a show of hands on this. How many of you guys believe in ghosts? Raise your hand. <laughs> That's about half of the room. That's pretty good, and we got and we got at least one half in there, so that's half that's is good. good. Half is questioning. Half, half is questioning. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, yes. Okay. So, um, in the be in the beginning, when Mister Saber, however you pronounce his name, when he goes in and when he leaves, the flyers are on the little counter. Uh -huh. How did that get there? So, um, when Mar I think Marjorie sort of in the uh, the back laundromat area at that point so he sort of he he finds that secret key you know to get in and so he just puts those there when marjorie's not looking he's a very sneaky man mm -hmm. he can kind of find his way into buildings and put things on countertops that are not supposed to be there and yeah he's he's very sneaky okay uh also so why is wendell afraid to share why he died why would he i think he's kind of in denial he he doesn't want to to admit that he's in the land of ghosts now. He's upset about that, and sort of, he kind of uses these these uh, made up stories to kind of cover up the truth and avoid having to admit that he's he is a dead youth and he didn't really get to experience the rest of his life. And so he uses these, these sort of make believe stories to make it seem more interesting, like a more exciting way for him to be there. And um, when he's in that blanket fort. And he's telling the story, but when everything goes, uh, when he's like the uh, the prince escaping from the castle, that's kind of his story. And you sort of find out that uh, he himself, act, uh, he kind of went swimming and he drowned. Yeah. And so it was kind of his doing. And I think he also feel, he regrets that. I mean, he regrets trying to swim because he ended up drowning. And so he does want to make his uh, death seem a little bit more heroic. So yeah, he makes up these uh, fantastical stories to um, to kind of build himself up, to build up his self-esteem. They're dead, but they're just like us. They are us. Um, well, in this one, yeah. uh, uh, there's two uh, like ghosts uh, that are flat on right. the roof, and I just don't know what they're doing. They're sunbathing. I well, actually, moon bathing because yep. there is no sun in the land of ghosts, right. so they're moon bathing. Okay. <laughs> and I also noticed this little sign that says vote. Right. Well, I mean, even the land of ghosts has to have people ruling the town. So they do have ghost mayors and ghost presidents. And yeah, it's kind of like the, the land of ghosts, it, they do have a lot of the same things as we have here um, because they still have to function as a society. So. Uh, yeah, the ghosts vote for people to run their city, and 
and yeah, I think it says boat jail or something. You get feeling this time in a sheet, or is the sheet stuck to it just goes over them to make them, you know? Right, that's a really good question. Yeah, it's a great question. That's so, um. Yeah, the way I pictured it is that the ghost actually becomes the sheet because you know the sheet can kind of collapse. But you know, because ghosts, cause sort of like you guys really aren't sure if the ghosts are there or not, if they exist or not, there is sort of that question um, of are they here or not? Like, what is a ghost? Are they this energy? Are they this actual being? And so that I kind of wanted that to be up in the air. Like, is there an actual form underneath this sheet or is the ghost actually the sheet? And I think the way I see it is um, the sheet actually becomes the ghost because that kind of lets them collapse on the floor and sneak through underneath the door, the cracks and doors and stuff. So um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think that uh, ghost energy can take a form, but, but it can also enter other forms. So it's kind of, maybe it's a bit of both. It's kind of however you want to see it. Like, is the ghost the sheet or the other the sheet? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you were you thinking that for the land of ghosts? But what are you thinking that basically the land of ghosts is sort of like a parallel universe to the land of humans? And yeah, it kind of is. It, I, I sort of picture it as beneath the earth because um, the ghosts do have to they have to be able to access the land of humans and they take that train. And so the way I saw it was sort of the, sort of like you, you picture a subway like underneath the earth. Uh, this this train comes from the land of ghosts in the same way. Um, and it is it's it is sort of like a parallel universe in that it's it's very similar to the land of humans, just a very uh, melancholy and sad and empty and dark area. Yeah. What? They do well They don't know. They they live on perpetually as ghosts. Amen. That's kind of sweet. How did you come up with the names? That's a great question. So um, I actually studied German for about five years back in when I was in high school. And so a lot of the names in here have both the the town or the the characters' names are based on German words. So Saubertuck, for example, a Sauber means clean, and uh, Tuck is loosely based on the word Tuch, which means sheet. It's kind of like a clean sheet. Mm. Um, and um, like Finster, uh, Finster Bay is like the dark shadowy of Finster. Um, and then the, some of the other names themselves, like Marjorie, it, it's not a German word, but the name Marjorie means pearl. And I sort of saw her as this pearl, like this really rare gem. Um, and the pearl, you think of like clean and white, which sort of relates to the laundry. And um, just like this very beautiful, um, unique and uh, sort of quiet and calm sort of gemstone and that's kind of how what I equated Marjorie to be and Wendell actually means wanderer so a lot of the the names have these these hidden meanings behind them yeah that's a really good question any other questions for me my friends yeah 
Also, I have a question about the train. So the um, baby Timmy, that guy, he said he said you can only take the train for emergencies and Ouija. Uh huh. Uh, how often do they use the train for Ouija? It depends on how often humans are, are performing Ouija back here in the land of humans. Um, and you know sometimes, because like, you know those Ouija boards, right? Like yeah. people try to communicate with ghosts. Yeah. And sometimes the ghosts communicate back and sometimes they don't. I think it depends on if they feel like that situation should be something that they enter into or not. Oh, uh, then. Uh, what kind of emergencies when bang is? That's a good question too. I think that uh, sometimes, you know, I think at the end when that when that uh, lady ghost is talking to Marjorie and says that sometimes um, ghosts will come when they feel like they need to, and so I think a lot of times a ghost will enter into your life if they feel like it's a situation where they should be there, and so that's kind of that kind of constitutes an emergency. So. I think actually, I mean, Marjorie did need a friend and Wendell ended up being that for her. So actually, that was kind of an emergency situation where um, Wendell the ghost needed to be there for Marjorie. And even though in the end, the, the police are kind of uh, saying, oh no, you shouldn't have gone, you shouldn't have gone to the land of ghosts. Um, it might actually have ended up being an emergency that Wendell needed to be there for Marjorie because she was very lonely and sad. And Wendell ended up being a friend of her, so that itself might have been a, a, an emergency situation. What? I is so I can't. I don't remember actually. Like so, when she plays the piano, and then Wendell's in the window listening. Uh huh. Uh, isn't after? Isn't he like humming that or something? Or is that before? Oh, that's actually, yeah, it's before. So, um, Moonlight Sonata, uh, that's actually the song that he mentions back in his meeting, the, uh, Debbie's Empathetics. That's, in, that's the song he said he tried playing on the drums in, in, the, in the Sahara. And the other cheese, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Did you, um... It's a book about loss, and it's, and it's, it's a book about losing your family and dealing with that and then kind of getting past that thematically. Is is this something that you personally had experience with? I actually no. So I think loneliness is universal. I mean there there are it takes many different forms. And the reason I chose loss for this was because the whole idea of death and ghosts. And so that's what I wanted Marjorie's loss to be. But I, I think that um you can take that same emotion of loss over family, and it, it can apply to other feelings of loss in your life. So um, the, that same sort of sadness of losing a family member can be the same kind of loneliness you feel in other situations, like loneliness over not, not connecting with people or even like not the feeling to you unless you have friends. Um, or just an overall sadness, like not necessarily having a loss in your life, but just sort of an emptiness or sadness in your life. And um, yeah, so I, I, the only reason I, I chose loss in its particular situation is because of the ghost aspect. Well, you did a very pretty exceptional job, I think, because I, I, it felt really sincere to me 
and it felt like it came from a from a really real place. So, yeah. It, the, the emotions themselves came from sure, a really sure. real place. Um, yeah. But no, I'm not, my, um, I never lost my mom mm-hmm. or anything like that. But yeah, definitely. I mean, the emotions are they are very real. Mm-hmm. But the loss itself is is something that I sort of transformed those emotions. It still makes the empathy of the book that much more amazing to me that that you're able to do that in in such a way that you know I, I feel like you really you really touched it you know very very nicely there. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I really do. Um, so if 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 we see these characters again, as you suggested that it's possible, I in what kind of context would it would it be? Would it Right. Because because so, because loss is so much of mm-hmm. like that's kind of the backbone of the book that that like is the spine that keeps it. So I'm, I'm super curious as how yeah. you're going to approach a, a sequel, yeah. whether it's a direct sequel or thematic sequel or just using the characters again. So yes, so in the hypothetical situation that a sequel would arise, um, there might be a new character, mm. and she might be. Uh, struggling with a lot of bullying in school and questioning whether she herself should become a ghost mm-hmm. and um, I think because of this newfound friendship between Marjorie and Wendell they might be able to help her recognize the importance and value of life mm-hmm. and um, yeah so I think I think that if you see Marjorie and Wendell again there will be more characters and more questions and more bullying and loneliness in, in different forms. Mm-hmm. And this question of, um, of identity, of, um, you know, what and, and value of life. Yeah. And I think there will, you also see a lot less laundry. Huh. Um, it, it, a lot of it will not take place in the laundromat anymore. It's, it's sort of more like uh, sheets are not just something to spin around in a washing machine. They also are sort of a mask. And um, so I think the sequel might look more at the the mask and costume aspect rather than the the laundry Mm -hmm. aspect. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are are hard topics to deal with. Mm -hmm. I would say much more so because we just don't talk about these things. And so it seems like we shouldn't somehow but you, you we need to yeah. talk about them and i think that um the biggest problem is not addressing the issues because it makes it seem like there's something wrong with them and it's something that kids don't feel comfortable or about anyone but especially children don't feel comfortable talking about these things being open about their feelings and that causes a problem like you guys should always feel uh comfortable expressing exactly how you feel and any sadness that comes with you within you because um, when you're able to talk about that with people, uh, it starts this communication, this conversation that is, is so helpful. Talking about things is a, a very important thing. And I think that once you read a graphic novel or any book that, um, that encourages you to talk about the feelings, you'll feel more comfortable sharing things by yourself. Was there, was there any point in which you were talking to professionals about these subjects so that you knew oh maybe i shouldn't talk about it in this way or i've done a lot of reading okay. I, I i've spent a lot of time in the library reading 
psychology books yes. about bullying and um, and like childhood suicide and stuff like that and um, just loss. So a lot of the, the emotions that you see in this or philosophy teacher books, um, I have read a lot about it. And I also try to um, not avoid the subject, but talk about it in a more like not be so direct to the issue and try to look at the the reasons causing the issue rather than the issues themselves. Sure. So I, I think a lot of it, like a potential sequel, will um, will focus on bullying and sure. how like certain things in your life can lead to problems and how to how to stop that problem before it becomes a bigger issue. Yeah, well, makes, makes sense. Um, let's go. Let's start in the back. Um. No. Well, the cringe with the when the little girl is carry is hoarding the sheet, then she tells Molly that you scared out my friend. Mm -hmm. Does that little girl actually know about the ghost count, or is that just little imaginary effect? You know, I think she that is a ghost as well. I think that um, she there. You know, there are other people in the town who probably have had this experience too, but they're just not talking about it because you know Marjorie doesn't really feel comfortable uh sharing these ghosts to other people because people will probably think she's crazy right so but um and a lot, a lot of times younger kids um you know how it is sometimes adults just don't believe you even though you're completely right and so um yeah I think that that ghost is that she she has is an actual ghost but people probably think that it's just an imaginary friend but yeah that that ghost is definitely is definitely very real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when she's looking at uh, like, like how Wendell died, like, uh -huh. or like how he died, um, it says he died on Lake Erie. Uh huh. And that's in Michigan, right? In Lake Michigan. So uh, Lake Erie, there are there are several states that touch Lake Erie, and so I actually grew up where I grew up in Pennsylvania. I'm only maybe. 30 or 40 minutes away from Lake Erie. So also Pennsylvania touches the lake as well. So it would be in like 30 or 40 minutes away from... That's only, it's from, from where I, I grew up, but actually, so Finster Bay, it's an imaginary town that I made up and Finster Bay is actually right on Lake Erie. But so, but now where did Wendell live? He lived in Finster Bay. Oh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. the he lived in the shape and shape enough for us to sleep with them. Ooh. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, uh, will Wendell's and Marjorie's worlds go to the kind of work of Wendell's because Wendell would be bullied or was being left out by the other ghosts like Penelope and Rachel was being left out by Tess. Exactly. That's yeah. That's a really good observation. So, I think that um, you know a lot of times you'll you'll feel kind of all alone in a situation. So you might think that you're the only person sort of feeling this loneliness when there are other people out there who are just like you. So I think Marjorie and Wendell, they are very similar. They do. They are suffering a lot of the same issues, and that's what makes them so drawn to each other and such good friends because they understand each other. They get that the sort of bullying and loneliness and they have a lot in common and can be really great friends. Yeah, that's what, that's a really good observation. Yeah, no, I read that was a really good observation. These guys are really smart, yeah. aren't they? They, they, <laughs> yeah. they really understand 
like thematic stuff that adults would be like, oh, that uh, I don't know. Yeah, right. you guys are great. Um, uh, you know, and I think I think it's it's important to remember. I mean, not just for you guys, but anybody who might be watching this at home or later. You know, um, like the feelings that you have sometimes. Like everybody has those feelings, whether it's being whether it's being happy or whether it's being sad or feeling lonely, um, feeling alone. People people everywhere feel that all the time, and there's. You're absolutely normal and, and right oh, yeah. for feeling the way that you feel, um, and uh, and there's always people out there who will who will be your friend. I think if you look, yes, and you keep yeah. your eyes open, and you just have to be patient. Sometimes, sometimes it's not going to happen right away, and you just have to say, you know what? Like right now, things are difficult, and that's kind of what I wanted to get across in sheets, right? Because like Marjorie, she has to go through so much, right? She has a lot of bad things happening to her, and she still she still perseveres she pushes through all that and eventually things turn out okay and it takes a while it takes some time for her to actually be okay but that sometimes it happens so you just have to get through all that hardship and eventually eventually things turn around yeah yeah did we have one more question there or or was your hands down again so i oh it's back up okay. all right um well on the last like the very very last like page yeah um why is there like that piece of paper that sustains that hate? Right. So at the, the very very beginning, um, she's Mar Marjorie's kind of working on that list. She says there are two things I hate, and that's laundry and ghosts. And at the very end, things have changed, right? She's like, oh wait a second, I don't hate ghosts anymore. Still hate laundry though. Because the laundry's definitely still on there. <laughs> the laundry mall would be on there. <laughs> but why? But why would she? Uh, me, 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 and stuff like that. Because isn't PE awful? No, <laughs> it's the worst. It's awesome. Me, I so I think I think mostly everything on that list I myself have hated or still hate. Even that chili dip commercial. That is actually so. I was looking at very obnoxious commercials from the '90s, and I found this chili dip commercial that just drove me nuts. And I just added. I saw that. Also, you know, uh, 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 gym class for someone for, in, from the 90s and for you guys is very, very, very different things. In, in, in PE, they used to, they, when I was a kid, and that's, I'm a little older than you, so this would be in the 80s, but they would like make us climb these ropes. Like, for no reason, they went nowhere. And you, I, it just went up. And, oh, and you had to wear these little gym uniforms. That, everybody had to take a shower afterwards. Like, you guys are so lucky that you guys don't have to shower together. It's the strangest thing. Yep. So, um, okay. That was fun to Like, All right. Yeah, it's like, it's like, Yeah. Okay, guys. So, um, yeah. Fantastic book. I, 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 I really, I, I really think this is, is one of the best books that we've done. Uh, and I, and I know you guys enjoyed it too. Um, I want to thank all y'all for coming out. Um, I want to thank uh, Brenna for coming out and taking the time to talk it's to us. So much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next month, our book is Criminy. Criminy is by Roger Landridge and Ryan Ferreira, who I might have mispronounced his name. I, I don't know. We'll find out next month when we talk to them. Um, not one of these guys is in England and the other guys in Canada. So they're, they're, this this will be one of those ones where it'll be on the video. Uh, we will be talking to them on the video next month. Um, uh, 
but it'll still be a, a, a good conversation because this is a very funny book. So this was a very serious book. This is a very funny book. We're going to bounce back and forth like that. Yeah. Um, and you guys who are here today will be able to pick this up. Just give your name at the counter and they will, uh, they will get you a copy. We don't have the buttons yet, but the buttons and magnets and stuff will, will come next time. And, and do we have a, a question in the back there? Was that a hand raise? No? Yeah. Do you like herbal ketchup? Purple ketchup? Yeah. Abnormal coffee. So I think it's bizarre. I never, when I, when I, when I was in the stores when I was a kid, I never wanted to touch it. I never wanted purple ketchups on my hot dog. Purple ketchup? I get it. Oh yeah, I was a fan. It was, they existed. There was, I think purple and green. Green, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was disgusting. They were, they were horrifying. Oh, and one more in the front. Bell. So, I used to be afraid of ghosts, okay. and I had this, my mom created this lotion, that's what she calls it, but then I lost it, but I always used it because I thought they would haunt me and surround me when I'm sleeping, so I always hid under my blankets and sprayed it all over my house. It's good, it's good to have protection like that. Yeah, exactly, just like the ghost protection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you like the book? Yeah. Yeah. Not scared of these ghosts, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not closer. It's wonderful. Exactly. Exactly. Well, very good. Um, I'm going to call it there then. Thank you all for coming out. Thank you, Brenda, for coming out. Thank you, our sponsors and Peaks, for sponsoring the show. Uh, and thank you, everybody who's a member uh, or those of you who are watching this at home who aren't members. Uh, you can certainly become a member of the Kids Club. Uh, GrapnelClub.com slash kids. And you get fantastic books like this every month. Uh, and the opportunity to meet fantastic people like Reda Thumbler. Thank you very much, everyone.